Good morning. So good to see everyone here this morning. I hope that uh, hope everyone is is doing well. Uh, if you have your Bibles, if you would uh, take those and you can open those up to uh, Psalm chapter fifty-one. Psalms chapter fifty-one. And while you are uh, while you are finding your way there, I want to draw your attention to. Uh, to a few things. Uh, typically, this time of the year, we don't have that many, uh, that many announcements, but we've got a lot of things going on right now uh, in the life of the church. Uh, gentlemen, don't forget, uh, behind, uh, behind the Walls is coming up uh, at the end of September, and uh, if you would like to be a part of that, uh, you need to go to BehindTheWalls.com, and you need to make sure that you've registered by uh, August uh, the 6th. And uh, so, you can, uh, so you can do that. And then uh, also coming up on August the 15th, uh, this year Westgate is participating in the uh, tasting for some other place. Uh, of course, we support uh, some other place uh, through our budget, but we also uh, support them with volunteers the last Friday of every month. Uh, but uh, Whitney Stiles and Megan Moss are spearheading uh, our booth this year to be a part of their annual fundraiser uh, tasting for some other place and so you can purchase tickets uh, for that uh, out in the atrium uh, following uh, the service and that's coming up on August uh, the 15th. August the 22nd we'll be kicking off our grief share classes uh, for, uh, for the fall. Uh, there'll be one on Tuesday morning and there'll be one on Tuesday evening. And uh, so you can register for those uh, either through the church office or at griefshare.org. Uh, and then uh, on August 23rd, we will kick off uh, our fall schedule. And so many of you have been wondering, when does Wednesday night suppers, when does Wednesday night Bible study, when does everything get running again? August the 23rd. Uh, and so we still have a little ways uh, to go yet, uh, but August 23rd is when everything will kick off. Uh, for that. And then finally, uh, summer Bible study continues tonight at 5 o'clock uh, in the gym. Uh, hope that you'll come and be a part of that. It's not too late to jump in uh, to be a part of that. Uh, you can still purchase books uh, back in the uh, atrium uh, as well. And uh, so hopefully you will uh, come and be a part of that uh, tonight. Got it? All right, I'm done. <laughs> Just kidding. And so, uh, Psalm chapter 51, uh, this is probably one of the more recognizable Psalms, probably next to Psalm 23. Uh, this is one of the uh, most recognizable Psalms uh, that we find uh, in uh, the book uh, of, of Psalms. And uh, it is a Psalm of confession that is written, uh, that is written by David. And after David is confronted uh, after David is confronted with his sin uh, by the prophet Nathan, and uh, he comes to a point of realizing uh, what he has done, and, uh, and he writes this psalm, uh, he writes this psalm uh, of, of confession. And so, how do you respond? When you are confronted with something that you have done wrong, when you are confronted with sin in your life, how do you respond? How do you react? Well, a lot of times, it's with excuses. 
Or a lot of times it's somebody else's fault. It's not my fault. The only reason I did what I did was because they did what they did. You know, there's always a justification. There's always an excuse. But David shows us here in Psalm 51 how we are supposed to respond when we are confronted with our sin. Now, David, it wasn't just one sin. David broke not one, not two, not three, but four, and an argument could be made that he broke five of the Ten Commandments all in one incident, all in one bad judgment. Half. Half of the Ten Commandments. Now that's some serious, that's some serious business. Because it's the back half of the Ten Commandments, and it's the, you know, they're all serious, but the back half, they're a little more serious than the front half. Adultery, murder, covetousness. Lying, and who can give me number 10? Because I forgot. (laughs) Stealing, thank you. Half of the Ten Commandments, David breaks. And he's confronted with that sin, and he's confronted with that sin because he had gotten to a point to where he was going on with life just as if nothing had happened. And God had to send the prophet Nathan to wake him up and to bring him to his senses and to confront him with the sin that was in his life. Now you can read Psalm 51 and you can read it like you're just reading any other portion of Scripture. But when you read Psalm 51, you need to hear David's heart You need to hear the pain, the anguish, the pleading with God that he is pouring out once he has come to confront the sin that is in his life. And he pours out his heart to God. And he says, have mercy on me. Be gracious to me, O God. Have mercy on me. According to your steadfast love, your loyal love, your firm love, your never-ending love. One of the attributes of God is love, and David is calling upon that attribute. According to your steadfast love, according to your abundant mercy, God, you have more mercy for me than I will ever need. You have more grace for me than I will ever need. And according to these attributes, according to your ways, have mercy on me. Blot out my transgressions. Erase, erase my transgressions. 
this is, this is like it's referring to a criminal record. And you know, for juveniles, when they reach a certain uh, age, their record is blotted out. Their record is expunged. It's done away with. It's like they get a brand new clean slate. And that's what David is saying here. Blot out my transgressions. Erase them as if they had never happened. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity. Wash me. Bathe me. It's like the picture that you've seen of, of, of somebody standing there and they're, and they're just filthy. And somebody takes a bucket of clean, refreshing water and just dumps it on them and they're just showered. They're just showered with that cleansing water and they're made clean again. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. This refers more to a ceremonial cleansing, an, an inward cleansing to where I can be once again made pure to come before your presence, that I may once again be able to enter into your temple and to enter into that time of worship with you. Cleanse me not only on the outside, but cleanse me inwardly as well. And so David begins this psalm by pleading to God that he would have mercy on him and that he would blot out his transgressions, that he would wash him from all his iniquity and that he would cleanse him from his sin. And then David goes on, for I know, I know my transgressions, I know my sins. You have now made those abundantly clear to me. I know where I have messed up and my sin is ever before me. See, it was quite some time before David came to this point. Bathsheba was almost to the point of giving birth to their son. And so it had been almost nine months that David had lived with this. And when you live with unconfessed sin, it is always with you. It is like eating raw onions. Now, I love raw onions. I love onions. Renee, not so much. Now, I don't want to gross anybody out here. But for those of you who are raw onion eaters, it stays with you for the rest of the day, does it not? And every time you have a little belch, it reminds you, you had onions for lunch. That is how unconfessed sin is. It stays with you until you have dealt with it. Take a mint. Great trick, eat a little peanut butter. That will cut through, that will cut through the onion. But confession, confession is the only thing is the only thing that will put that sin 
behind you because until you confess it, until you face it, until you give it to the Lord and admit to him what you had done wrong, it hangs around like a bad odor. It hangs around like a bad friend. It's just always there with you. For I know my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So David is recognizing here, yes, my sin involved Bathsheba, my sin involved Uriah, my sin involved those commanders that I ordered to put Uriah in harm's way, my sin has involved a whole lot of people, but you, Lord, it is you that I have sinned against. You and you only. David recognizes that he has sinned against God. He recognizes that sin is about more than breaking rules. Yes, I listed out those ten, those, those, the five of the Ten Commandments that David break, broke, but David knows that his sin is about more than breaking rules. More importantly, he has broken his relationship with his holy father. He has damaged his relationship with God. And he faces that, God, it is you and you alone that I have sinned against. There's a famous line, well, I say a famous line, for those of you who are Godfather fans from back in the day, there's a famous line from those movies. It's not personal, it's just business. Well, there's another line from another movie that I love, which is Meg Ryan in You've Got Mel that says, if anything, it's personal. We can discount our sin. We can discount our sin. But our sin is personal and it is relational. It is personal against those people that we have sinned against, and it is relational against them as well. But more importantly, it is relational in our relationship with a holy father, with a holy God. And David realizes that, that more importantly than Bathsheba, more importantly than Uriah, more importantly than anybody else that was involved, he has sinned against God and against God alone and by recognizing that he is able to submit to the father where we pick up in verse 4 where it says so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment now I want you to hear those words so that you may be justified in your words and blameless in your judgment because when consequences of our sin comes down, that's not fair. That's not right. Wait a minute. 
It wasn't that bad. David is saying, God, I submit to your judgment. I submit to your words. And the judgment was pretty harsh. The son that Bathsheba would bear would be taken from them. David is also told there will no longer be peace within your household. And we see that when Absalom arises against David and attempts to dethrone David from the kingship. So there were consequences. There were consequences. And David is saying, Father, I submit to your judgment. When we sin, when we do those things that are displeasing to God, we need to submit to His judgment. There's no standing in front of Him and saying, God, that's not right. That's not fair. Because He is a holy God. He is a just God. And we have sinned against Him. And we must submit our lives unto him and accept the consequences that come along with our sin David continues on in verse 7 and in verse 7 through 9 he basically repeats the pleas that he's already made in verses 1 and 2 but he adds a few things in verse, verse 7, he says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Purge me with hyssop. Now, he didn't use hyssop in verses 1 and 2. So what is hyssop? What does hyssop have to do with that? Well, hyssop was a branch that they would use in their religious ceremonies, either to dip in water, to sprinkle cleansing water, or to dip in the blood and to sprinkle blood on the altar David realizes that he needs to be purged and the reference that he is making here takes us to Hebrews chapter 9 verses, verse 22 where it says there can be no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood that's what the sacrificial system was all about, was the shedding of blood for the forgiveness of sins. Until that day when God sent His one and only Son to die on the cross for our sins, to shed the ultimate blood that our sins might be forgiven. So purge me, purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones that you have broken rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquities. David is saying here, God, if you forgive me, I will be clean. If you forgive me, I will be whiter than snow. And then I will be able to rejoice in you again. 
and all of my iniquities will be blotted out. So David is repeating his pleas here, but he's showing us the results as well. But then he adds three very significant requests. First, clean, create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David knew he needed a new heart. And he knew the only way, the only way was for God to create a new and clean heart within him. No other way, no other way can we receive a clean heart other than through the working, the transformational power of God. That's the only way we receive a clean heart. You can read the Bible as much as you want. You can pray as much as you want. You can come to church as much as you want. You can give as much as you want. But only through the transformational, life-changing power of God can create a clean heart within us. It is only through God and his power. And David recognizes that. And that's the reason he uses the word create. Because God is the creator. God has the ability to do this, to create within him a clean heart. And to renew a right spirit within him. To give him a spirit that is obedient. To give him a spirit that is willing to follow the Father. The difference between the difference between King Saul and King David is David never lost the ability to have a penitent heart. Saul lost the ability to recognize what he had done wrong and to seek forgiveness. David never did. That's why he was known as a man after God's own heart. He pleads with God to create in me a clean heart, O oh God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. David remembers what happened to Saul. When Saul refused to repent, God took the throne away from him and removed his Holy Spirit. Now, you have to remember here, we're in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit is not a permanent resident yet. The Holy Spirit is given and taken away as God deemed it necessary. It is not until the New Testament that the Holy Spirit becomes a permanent resident within us. When we accept Jesus Christ as our personal Lord and Savior, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within us permanently, eternally. But that was not the case here. And so David remembers, David remembers Saul, and he pleads to God, don't cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit away from me. Bless you. 
David is pleading with the Father not to take the Holy Spirit away from him because he had sinned. He had sinned just like Saul had. But he never lost the ability to recognize his sin, to confess his sin, and to seek the Father's forgiveness. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. Now David uses the word restore here because he remembers, he remembers the joy that he had in his relationship with the Father. David was a writer of psalms. He was a writer of songs. He was, he was a worship leader. David was all about worship, and he remembered what that joy was like when he had an unbroken relationship with the Father. And he worshiped him with all of his being. In fact, if you remember, David's wife, Michael, called him a fool because of the way that he was acting in worship toward the Father. And David said, if that's what I am, then that's what I am. I will be a fool to worship my father. Restore that joy to me. Restore the joy of your salvation. And uphold me with a willing spirit. Uphold me with a willing spirit. May I be obedient unto you. And then David looks into the future here, beginning with verse 13. He's looking into the future and he's counting upon that forgiveness. Father, once I have, re once I have, re have received your forgiveness... Once I have been washed and made clean, once I am as white as snow, once these things have happened, then I will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will return to you. David is saying, I can then once again serve you. I can once again be counted as, as worthy by you and I can serve you and I can teach transgressors your ways and sinners will not and, and sinners will return to you. Basically what he's saying here is I can teach everyone because scripture tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So this isn't just some specific group. This is everybody I can teach everyone what you have done for me in my life. And I can help sinners to return to you. Verse 14, deliver me from blood guiltiness, O God. O God of my salvation, and my tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. That word blood guiltiness. What does that mean? 
David knew that the sins that he had committed, one of the penalties was death. Was death. He had taken, not directly, but he had brought about the death of Uriah. So in Old Testament times, one, Uriah's family had claim on David's life. Now he was the king, and that was going to be a little difficult to carry out. But also, the Old Testament law, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, a life for a life. David knew that his sin ultimately required his life. And he's saying, deliver me from that penalty. Deliver me from that blood guiltiness, O God. And if you do so, I will worship you. My tongue will sing aloud of your righteousness. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. I can be made new. I can be made clean. And I can once again worship and praise you. For you will not delight in sacrifice or I would give it. You will not be pleased with the burnt offering. David realizes, David realizes that a burnt offering is not going to suffice here. God's not going to accept a burnt offering, especially from someone who is not repentant. Verse 17 does tell us what God will accept. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise. You will not despise a broken spirit. You will not despise a broken and contrite heart, a repentant a heart. If we come before God with just lip service, and what I mean by this is, and everybody will relate to this, especially, especially those of you who have siblings, you've just gotten into a fight with your brother or with your sister, and your parents make you what? Apologize to one another. And how often is that apology sincere? Very rarely. My youngest brother, he has three daughters. His oldest is a very meek, mild, compliant child. Well, she's not a child anymore. She's married. And um, his second daughter is exactly like him. Hard-headed, very strong-willed, and they got in an argument one time over a doll. And Renee and I uh, happened to be visiting them at the time, and we got to witness this event. 
and they're tugging on this doll and you know they're you know um, in an argument over it. of course Jessica the oldest had it first and so Keisha their mom made Michaela give the doll back to Jessica and apologize for having taken the doll from her which Michaela did and then once Keisha walked and left the room Michaela briskly walks by Jessica boom see if I don't get it after mom's gone <laughs> so she apologized but she didn't mean her apology and let it be well known that simple illustration is what David is referring to here. We cannot just give lip service to God in our confession because he knows. He knows our heart. And he wants a broken spirit. He wants a broken and contrite heart. And that may sound harsh. That may sound like a bad thing because it's all about today. It, it, it's all about what I want it's all about what I can get. It, it's I. It's all about me. And we cannot come to God in that manner. When we come to God, when we come to God through His Son, Jesus Christ, it is with a broken spirit. It is with a broken and contrite heart, a repentant spirit and attitude. That is the only way, that is the only way we can come to the Father in an acceptable manner. And so when you hear a parent out there say, I don't want to break the will of my child, at some point that will has to be broken. At some point we have to come into submission to a holy God. And David tells us that the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. Oh God, you will not despise these things. It is only when we come to the Father in that way So once God's transformative and restorative work is complete in David's life, in our life, then once again we can serve and we can worship God in the way that God desires. When we come to the Father in repentance when we come to the Father in submission recognizing what we have done is wrong that his ways are right and that his judgment is fair is just but also remembering the grace and the mercy that is enfolded in all of that then God will accept what we have to give to him. We have lost 
Well, before I go there, our point of refreshment. What do we get out of all of this? Our point of refreshment, 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. That's what we must remember. He is faithful and just to forgive us. So we never have to go before the Father wondering, have I messed up so bad this time that there's no longer any forgiveness? No. If we confess, he forgives. And this is at the heart of the salvation message. This is at the heart of the salvation message. God loves us, and he created us to have a relationship with him. And it breaks his heart when that relationship is damaged. When that relationship was separated, it broke his heart. And our sin does prevent us from having that relationship with him. But through his son, Jesus Christ, through his son, Jesus Christ, he has made a way for that relationship to be restored. We can be changed for eternity by humbly, with a broken and contrite heart, repent of our sins and completely surrender, submit our lives to Christ. If you're here this morning and you have never taken those steps, let me encourage you this morning to not leave this place without responding to the grace and the mercy that God offers to us through his son, Jesus Christ. Our deacons will be in the back here. Maybe you just need to pray with somebody. Our deacons will be in the, in the back of these aisles waiting to pray with anybody. I will be right over here to receive anyone that needs prayer or needs to make that decision to come before the Father with a broken and contrite heart. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for your grace and your love and your mercy that you pour out upon us daily. And Father, we see that through your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank you that you loved us so much that you sent him to die on the cross for our sins. Father, I pray that you would Forgive us for the ways that we do fall short of your glory. And that, Father, you would restore us to that right relationship with you. In your holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Let's all stand together. Are you hurting and broken within, overwhelmed by the 
weight of your sin, Jesus is calling. Have you come to the end of yourself? Do you thirst for a drink from the well? Jesus is calling. Oh, come to Forgiveness was born. 
Bear your cross as you wait for the crown. Tell the world of the treasure you found. God bless you. Have a great week. See you back tonight for Bible study.